Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And this is really, really, really strange <laughs> because <laughs> we are recording face-to-face for the very first time ever. Cheek-to-cheek. Che- yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, it's so weird. I don't know where to look. Um, okay. But yes, we are both in LA right now. Los Angeles, the city of angels, they say. So, uh, yeah, some of them. Some of them. Um, did you ever watch City of Angels, the movie? I did indeed. Do you know? Is it Alanis Morissette, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. what's <laughs> Isn't it funny to think, because that's the origin of Uninvited? Yeah. Yeah, isn't it funny, like, when certain songs are tied so intrinsically to films? And yet, I never, like, I don't often think about Uninvited being tied to City of Angels, but that's the only place it is. Like, that's, it's not, it was not on, right. supposed to form Infatuation Junkie. But then they put it on the, uh, the MTV Unplugged, right? Like, that's well, yeah, it's performed in. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, like, the version that existed in album form, right? For a while? Yes. There's another example, of, like, a song that was just from a movie, but then, like, it became, oh, I Believe I Can Fly from Space Jam. Yeah. That was another example. Uh, Kiss from a Rose. What's that, Seal? Please. What's it from? Batman? I'm familiar. Kiss from a Rose is one of the most famous songs in the history of music. Can't say I know it. Okay, another one. Uh, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, uh, whatever the Gaga song is that we all are made of. Yeah, but that's... Well, but that's... So that, like that, but that is an example of a soundtrack. Yeah, we're so, so songs that are on soundtracks. Okay, yes. Yeah. But City of Angels, Alanis Morissette, Uninvited. My Heart Will Go On, but that did go on the album. Mm-hmm. Because I hope it not. But it's interesting because, like, My Heart Will Go On was, like, uh, the theme song of Titanic, uh-huh. whereas, like, Uninvited was a song just within City of Angels. Yeah, but it's written from the character's perspective of City of Angels. Oh, wow, I how much I did. Similar to Still, which is on the Dogma soundtrack, which Alanis famously plays God, and it's written from the perspective of God. Mm-hmm. There's also an original song from the Sabrina the Teenage Witch soundtrack. No, we just had this conversation. Isn't there an original song on that album, though? By Sabrina? Mm, isn't oh, the one... Mean... Not the one way or another. It's not a cover. There's some song on the Sabrina album that yeah. I have specific for to Sabrina. Yeah, it's one way or the other, but it's a cover. Oh. But Sabrina sings it. Oh, then that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, we also... Sorry, and then we'll talk about Survivor. Um, <laughs> on the Scooby-Doo soundtrack, which is not available on Spotify... Solange is like an original song that's oh. like an interpolation of the Scooby-Doo theme song. Our Solange? Our Solange. From Scooby-Doo. The original Scooby-Doo movie. No. Yeah, yeah. The 2002 Sarah Michelle Gellar. Solange? Solange Knowles. Wow. Yeah. I would say stitch it in, but I don't want to give you more words. No, but it's, but I, it, but, I don't need a copyright strike. <laughs> but it's really, really good. It's okay. really, really good. Okay, well, you know what wasn't good? <laughs> <laughs> And listen, can we just say, I mean, I got a lot of flack for my negativity last week. I'm going to try to curb it, but it's it's going to be an ongoing challenge, I feel. Well, this is where we're hitting a bump in the road in Survivor 45 because it's such a strong start. And look, I just don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm going to say it. I've been saying it's too early to call it a great season. You're right. 
And I'm not saying that it's like a trash season and I don't think it was even a trash episode. I was just bored. Yeah. Unfortunately. And again, I'm going to come back to this. I will beat this drum for as long as I can. Don't merge the tribes and then immediately split them. It's not a merged tribe. And I think we're all... We're still on a tribal game. Like, (laughs) this was a tribe swap, basically. A one-episode tribe swap. It's funny. We talk a lot about, like, our frustration with, like, the advantages and, like, the omnipresence of idols. But I feel like one new frustration that I'm, like, more... I guess I'm even more keenly aware of is just, like, format changes. Like, this... Not only do we have, like, the delay... Well, we have the early merge, but it's actually not even the merge, the mergatory. And then now we have, like... This split vote, which ultimately cost us Caleb's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of just like, I do think there's a conversation we had about this format change uh, being really unnecessary and fucking with the game. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to who else has gotten eliminated in this way. Like in this twist. But due to us, due to us. Due split. to this split, yeah. There is someone recently. I know where, there was someone good. Yeah, where it was like, this wouldn't have happened. I feel like it was on 44. Yeah don't remember yeah oh uh uh who was franny's boyfriend didn't he go home matt matt uh, matt perhaps but i feel like he wasn't at the level of like uh i think at the time we thought he was okay i think we at the time we thought you might have been like a caleb-esque figure i don't mind how to say it truly um but if i was going to give a positive to this which maybe i should it's that we didn't have to waste a whole episode on sifu's exit yeah so they're you know you give and you take. You give and you take. But let's go to the return of an iconic challenge, question mark, which is the famous pole hanging challenge, um, well known to poverty fans around the world, uh, that this is a classic endurance challenge. People have lasted a long time on it. It's back. We've been asking for it to be back. You know, when they brought back Last Gasp, we were like, bring back the pole hanging challenge. And so they did, and it didn't last an hour. It lasted 17 minutes, maybe 18, because there was a, you know, he said 17. Um, but I did, I liked seeing it, even if it didn't last that long. I loved seeing it. And also, I am of the drumbeat where I don't think Last Gasp is iconic at all. I know, we've um, had that. Yeah, we've had that conversation. I do think pulling is absolutely iconic. Yeah. My hope is that as a fandom, we can rally around the fact of like, yes, this return was Flopiana, but that was circumstantial. It's not the challenge itself is broken in any kind of way. This perhaps could lead to an after show conversation around casting, um, which I know many people are having online. And that has sort of been something I've seen people talking about with regards to 45 specifically is the lack of athleticism holistically within this cast. Mm-hmm. Previously, I had been of the mindset of like, I don't really, that doesn't really factor into my love or hate of a season. But in this instance, I did find it frustrating. Obviously, I'm fine if like, half the cast drops out right away. Like, I don't need an overall super athletic cast. I did think this was, like, disappointing, and I did... I won't say that, like, I thought it's a broken mode right now that we're in, but, like, it did make me say, hmm, in addition to us... You know, we've said we need more himbos back on the show. It's like, I, I do think we could return to prioritizing athleticism within some of the casting. Yeah, agreed. And I think actually one of the former casting associates uh, that was part of the Lynn Spillman era was going off about this a few weeks ago on Twitter. 
And I can't remember her name, but she had said like, looking at the survivor cast, none of these people could go on to play the challenge. None of these people like have the brawn that we used to cast. And it's like, you don't, you, they didn't cast that for everybody, but you needed some. Um, and I, ju- I just think that that's interesting that a former casting associate would come out and say that publicly. Uh, I feel like this challenge is a little wasted on a split tribe format because you did have D and Kelly hanging on there. And yeah, Kelly dropped after whatever it was, 17, 18 minutes. But at that point, she already had immunity. And so they were playing for food. I feel like it's less stakes. Yeah. Also, it was so backward. They should have been playing the first person, the second to last person. Or the, the person that drops from the... The last person to drop from the first batch, should that should be guaranteeing you reward. Like, it, I think they had it backwards. Sorry. Walk me through that. So it's like... After she'd already won immunity at that point, they were playing for food. Yeah, it should be that she already had food. Now she's playing. It's like food should be the first oh, thing that you win. Oh yeah, because it's like sort You're of right. It's like at the end of the day, well, I mean, once you've secured immunity, sure, it's great to have the food. Yeah. But like, I feel like you want to raise the stakes by like it's it's the final showdown. Totally. Yeah, that's a good point. But I feel like in this scenario where they're where they're hanging on for food, it's like. There's, there's just not that much in it for Kelly to hang on for. And I think that if it was individual immunity, one person, like a, a normal setup where they're all going to tribal, they're all voting together, one person is immune, then I think that maybe this this um, competition between D and Kelly could have gone a lot longer. Like mm. we could have seen a 45 minute hour long challenge. Yeah. Which I think we needed. I think we needed it. So I, I think we're just craving. Back. Yeah. And then I have been seeing these comments online. I don't know if it's true or not, but people have been comparing the polls in the early seasons, the old school seasons, to the polls in this. And they're saying the grooves are smaller. So oh, there's less space to actually hang. And so what that's suggesting is that the challenge has been designed to be a short challenge. I mean, that tracks with everything we know about production as it exists today yeah in fact i was hearing on on a podcast that i was listening to because they because they were talking about the question of like okay so how do they get up there at the beginning yeah and they were saying well there's probably most likely ladders blah blah blah. and the reason why people were down so early in the challenge was probably because like straight away from the moment that they like perched them up there before they even began the challenge it seems like some of these people were already coming yeah. down. And so it was kind of framed as like a decision to just hang low. But it's like, I think a lot of people from the very outset just could not Couldn't literally do it. hang. Like Emily. Like Emily. Emily's poor little foot. I know. And it's like, there's a part of me that's just wants Emily to come out and be a comp beast. And yeah, totally. I don't think it's, it's not going to happen. It's in the She's a financial analyst. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelly wins it for blue. D wins it for red. D wins this sanctuary visit. But before we go there, we sort of get like a bow tied on the story of D's toe. How'd you feel about that? I didn't think that it works because I don't think her toes really ultimately factored ah, into her hanging. Really? It just seemed like she was capable of hanging. It didn't seem really like... Mm, I think the toe plays a big role in this challenge. I so. Pose. And a, an especially big role if you have a big toe. Uh-huh. 
I guess then, okay, so let me reframe to say, like, I just didn't find it to be, like, narratively rewarding. <laughs> right. Oh, I, I so thought it was rewarding. I just felt like it was because we knew when this was pointed out episodes ago mm-hmm. that this was clearly pointed out for a reason. It felt just so... Mm-hmm. I can understand. It's like, yeah, it's prophecy fulfilled, sure. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... Here's the thing. I'm going to complain about something, but I'm ultimately sort of like, okay, but like, would I rather have it the other way? I'm not sure. Which is to say that like, there's oftentimes on the show ways in which I think things get severely foreshadowed. For instance, in the previously on, so much focus on Bruce mm-hmm. indicated to me that Bruce was not going home, right? Like, that was because right. I just know the way that the yeah. show works. But on the other hand, I'm sort of like, okay, but is knowing that and me being able to game out what I think is going to happen ultimately fun because I don't actually know and there's a chance that I will be gooped my, by my own thinking that I'm ahead of the curve? And there have been times they've done that. Sure, but I guess it's like we've had moments, this makes me think about the two episodes of Jake falling over now, Yeah, that sort of make me wonder, like, is something coming with Jake because we sort of figured the same thing with the D thing? Yeah. So I guess I should say, like, it's not that it was underwhelming, I just didn't find it to be, like, iconic, but to your point, like, yes, we we, we tied a bow on a plot that had been introduced episodes ago. I guess that I just really didn't see the toe story from episodes ago as foreshadowing. I truly thought it was just like a goofy, we have 90 minutes to fill. Right. And like, the, I will say it's a though, topic of conversation. There were people online though, when we first saw the toe, uh-huh. and then and there obviously had been rumored or I think, you know, confirmed that we would be getting this challenge. And there were people that connected the dots to this when this first, when we first got the zoom in on, on these toe. Well, good for them. Yeah. They should have a podcast. They do. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think about the sanctuary visit? I thought the tacos looked great. I don't think I I was paying acute enough attention. God, that's all I do is watch the food on Survivor. We'll need to post it on the gram and and get some analysis. (laughs) Yeah, no. But I thought we we weren't doing a meme cat this week. This is for story. Oh, for story only. I have to, you know, just being transparent, I, I I didn't come away from this episode very inspired to make memes. We'll, we'll touch down afterwards. And maybe actually, maybe this episode will be available and people will have strong feelings about this needs to be meme. But I just didn't think this. And I think when I say that there weren't memes that came to mind for me, I actually think that indicates to me something that was missing from this episode, which was, I just think there was a levity present in even the last episode that I didn't love, I think contained some lighter moments. This one, I just think um, felt very, very regimented. Yeah. Um, And I also just, I mean, I'm constantly in the new era of Survivor, sometimes confused by the amount of like, efforts to like throw all possible scenarios out and so-and-so is having a conversation with this person but might turn on this person but was loyal to this person previously i reached that point as i often do in this episode where i just was like i have to disengage because they're throwing so many possibilities into the mix and i'm just a big proponent of like give me two and then maybe throw in a third Mm -hmm. but like i just felt like there was so much chaos that ultimately i found myself disengaging yeah, uh, yeah, we can talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the force, the flash forward to tribal council, because I think there's something to say about that. But, but, um, 
I did feel like, and I don't know, I thought, is it because they split the tribe and we're now having to follow two different votes and two different tribals? Like, is that why we're not getting the levity that we have been getting with these 90 minute episodes? Because it has to be like a really strategy heavy episode, even though the strategy, oh, the strategy on one of the tribes was not heavy. It was like, we're, we're voting Sifu out. Um, and yeah, but it, it, it did feel like very, very serious in a way that wasn't fun. Um, so there's not going to be a lot of memes this week, but also we're in LA together and we're not going to like spend all our time memeing. It's just not, it's not it takes it. It's a lot of work. You know, we are going to spend a little bit of time doing though, but we're going to play around a star uh, or start this. They might not be having fun on survivor this week, but we're going to have fun here. We are indeed. Okay. So let me pull up my handy cast list. Here we go. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Sifu. Starless. Starless. Caleb. Star. Starless. Austin. Starless. Starless. Bruce. Starless. Starless. D. Star. Starless. Drew. Starless. Starless. Emily. Starless. Starless. Jake. Star. Star. Julie. Starless. Starless. Katora. Starless. Starless. Kelly. Starless. Starless. Kendra. <laughs> Star. Starless. You gave a starless to everybody. No, I gave oh, a star to Jake. To Jake. Yeah, yeah, Jake was a star. Yeah, I think this was a big episode for big Jake. Big Jake episode. Wow, that was brutal. For, for us just now or for us as the viewers? Well, for you. <laughs> for you. For you with the starlesses. Yeah, I just felt like some of the people that I got... Not just me, but many of us got excited about early on. I would say particularly like Emily. Uh-huh. It's odd to me that like we were introduced to Emily literally on the mat with such clarity as to like, this is the girl. And then I think we talked about it last week. We were kind of like the the Cassie, Cass hyphen Y. Like the yeah. Cass-esque quality yeah. of Emily that we were promised yeah. seemed to like, we pivoted away from that like very quickly. Yeah. But then it was like, okay, but this is a new Emily, right? Uh-huh. And then now it seems like we're sort of just like fading out on Emily. And I know there was the effort to sort of be like, she's turning her back on Caleb. But like, ultimately, even had she not turned her back on Caleb, it would have been inconsequential. She was just voting with the tribe as any smart person in the game would do. Mm-hmm. I just felt like Emily as like a character has like completely fallen out. And it's disappointing because... I think for us, and what I mean by us is like gay fans of the show specifically, like we're in search of like, if not a mother, a queen. And like there were queen-like tendencies Mm -hmm. evident in Emily early on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once we bestow queen on someone, it's like we're quick. We want to carry through on that. But like it's challenging for us Emily fans because we're just, we're not being fed. Yeah, it's true. And I feel like... Emily is playing a good game, but it's got, it's one of those good games. That's a boring game because it's really safe. Yeah. And you saw her talking about it at the beginning of the episode where she's like, I have this strong bond with Caleb and like, I I really, really like him, but like I'm moving on where what I want to see is, Oh my God, Caleb's still here. I was forced to vote for him. Let like, this is a second chance for us. Let's bring him in. I'm going to do whatever I can. If it means kicking out one of these other people that I'm in an alliance with, I'll do it. Bring Caleb in. But no, she, she, she played it really safe, which is like, 
fine for her because she wants to win a million dollars, but it's not fine for us. No. And I almost found it odd being that it's a 90 minute episode and we were like trimming so much of the fat. And, and here we are. And it's like, we have an episode where like Austin was barely in this episode. Drew was barely in this episode. Julie was barely in this episode for, you know, really getting that down to like the end, but for getting, you know, really at that midpoint it would and also ex- conflate expanding to 90 minutes which by the way uh i texted mike white when it was announced that white lotus would be supersized uh-huh. and i was like jeff Probst <laughs> impact um and he haha the, the reaction um but no for us having more time and less players i thought it was odd how little we got of so many of the of our cast during the of the stars yeah yeah there's a reason there's a reason austin was Starless. And even like Bruce, who was in a lot of the episode, he didn't have his star quality. Right. And honestly, it just was like, the Bruce thing is so uninteresting to me because it's just sort of like, so what we're being told a lot and not really shown, but told a lot is that like Bruce annoys people and he ruffles feathers. But as both like past players and viewers of the show know that is someone you want to keep around. Yeah. So doing this whole, like people are like, Oh yeah, Kelly was being really smart. I'm like, yes. And I think she was like doing the smart, very obvious smart thing, which is like keep Bruce around. Like it was being presented as like this subversive move to keep around someone that you actually don't like, but that you're working with. Whereas like that to me is how you play survivor. Yeah. Yeah, and Kelly's an interesting case because it's like, okay, look, she was my winner pick. But part of the reason she was my winner pick was because she was everybody's winner pick. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole, like, cult of Kelly that has emerged, despite the fact that she's not on the show. I've seen it, yeah. And I'm kind of confused about it because, like, yeah, I think she's playing a fine game. Uh, Clearly, like, she's, she's doing well. She's under the radar. Nobody's really, like, talking about her as a threat. She's obviously smart. Um, You know, she... She's playing correctly, but she's not giving yes. on TV. Yes. And so like I'm confused about the way that it that it keeps getting pushed. And this is not a slight against Kelly. It's just like she's just not on the show really. But there's this whole thing online that's like, yes, Kelly Queen, but I'm like, where's the queen? Mm-hmm. I think that this speaks more to fan culture than it does to Kelly, which is that like obviously, yeah, like social media is all about hyperbole, like I'm like Ms. Hyperbole. So like, Mm -hmm. I get it. I think the difficult thing with Survivor is because people get so excited about a Kelly, it's sort of like, well, if you're this excited about Kelly, then like, how do you like, what, then where do we go when it's like a Parvati or something? Someone that was like, because if we're like sort of at a 10 always, it sort of invalidates like the real 10s. So I feel like we, I get the like desire, like, there's that guy, I think Brian Scally, who does that. Yeah. The so-and-so is still in the game. And I think it began, it was like a big thing with, with uh, Yam Yam. Uh, no, I don't think. Is it Jam Jam? It's Jam Jam. Oh my God. It's like, I'm still. I know, anyway. I'm not good at that. Uh, you're visualizing the word. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but, but there's that big thing with Jam uh, I think it was like, I think he did Carolyn, but he did Carla. I remember, I think it might have started with Erica, okay. actually. Erica. 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 From 41. Survivor 41, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but um, but like seeing the thing with Kelly and to me, I'm just like, is like, are we? I I I I'm not seeing that. And what I mean is, I'm not. This is not a slight at Brian or or this tweet yeah, format, yeah, yeah. but I'm sort of just like, if we allow for Kelly to sort of like have this, and again, this is not a slight at Kelly. Yeah, it's just sort of to say that like, 
I guess it's like, I understand that social media is a place for hyperbole and I too wait in the well of hyperbole, but I think we have to be discerning because when we dole it out to just anyone, it sort of doesn't allow for those who really rise above to actually have the foothold that they deserve. Yeah. You know who I think is rising above and you gave her a star list, but D. I think that D has been so consistent this season in like delivering TV. Yeah. And so, in I, this episode, there's like, here's the turn I'm looking for, where it's like, we're looking for the turn for Emily to go back to chaos or something. Here's the turn. Like D winning immunity, kind of getting cocky, like holding court in the water, dictating what the vote is going to be to everybody. Like, I'm liking this story for D. Totally. So let me amend to say Starless Rising. Mm, Starless, so forgot about that. What I worry <laughs> about with someone like D because of the way new era plays out mm-hmm. it's like someone like d who i would equate you know if we're making equivalences here to sort of like um who's our girl from one world kim kim if i were to equate her to like kim someone like kim could kim could never exist in new era survivor because they would see a kim as they did with caleb right now wait, 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 kim does exist in new era survivor it's kelly I think it's just like a so so Kim's whole thing was very circumstantial. Let's be clear about that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, all survivors circumstantial. I know, but very like she got lucky with her yes. circumstances, and that's great. Like that is a, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a thing that happens. Yes, but um, I do think that on any other season, like winners at war, Kim can disappear. Right. I guess I'm just saying. I think when someone takes so much ownership over the game and is really like playing in a big way, I don't think that is. I think that that puts a bigger target on you in new era than in the past. The, uh, yeah. I, I think bold play is like, yeah, is gone. Out oh, here. for sure. Yeah. But that said, I have a qualm with the way in which the show is sort of presenting Caleb. I mean, there was a moment when, um, early on, I think it was uh, Julie says, Caleb is like the cat with nine lives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, since like, no, no, no. He became a target in the last episode. Like, a cat with nine lives would indicate it's like every week he's up for that. Now, but 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 it, so the, she might have been coming from this with from the fact that Lulu went to tribal all the time, right? So sure, he but was different. in the uh, yeah, I know. Mm. No, but from Julie's has... perspective on the outside, she's like this guy who's still here alongside Emily has. Gone, has survived more tribals yeah, but somebody than anybody would have, else. But someone would have to survive those tribals. I know, but that's, so, so. That's I'm just the saying with the, the presentation lives. as though it's like Caleb has been playing this game where it's like, it's everyone is coming after him and he's constantly evading. Yeah, it's not that. It's not. I think that was just misrepresenting information. In the same way that I feel like Jake said at one point, all these votes I keep getting told what to do. And it's like, either that's not happening or we're not seeing it. It could be either who's to say. But I've noticed in this season, and it might have been present in the last couple of seasons, it might have been present always, but I've been noticing a lot of like the show using talking heads to tell us things that we just haven't seen and then somehow sort of accept. Um, it's like something that I mentioned several weeks ago where I felt like the show was going out of its way to sort of present these people as having like really deep rooted bonds and I'm with this person. We've mm-hmm. been together since day one. And it's like, it's day 14, girl. Yeah. Like, sure, yes, you have, but, like, what does that really mean? So, with Caleb, I sort of struggled in this episode. People are like, wow, this is such a... We're losing such a big character. And I don't see it that way. For me, Caleb was the character, I think, besides 
I put Emily there with him and, and maybe now D, the character with the most potential. But I do I like I don't look at Caleb and say like this is an icon, not a demerit to Caleb, yeah. just to like he didn't do much on the show. Uh yeah, he had that a couple of moments that I think indicated like, oh wow, like I want to see We're going places. Yeah, we're going yeah. places. And and unfortunately because the way the card, you know, the, the deck was stacked, they didn't. Yeah. I, so I think Caleb is, this is, this is, this is the thing about Caleb. I think Caleb works really well on TV because he's a great confessionalist. Absolutely. But was he making waves in the game? Not so much. Right. Like, except when he like, you know, joined with Emily to vote out Sabaya. Like that was, a, that was a move, but it wasn't like he was like running around camp, like uh, like a Bruce. Yes. Uh, the other thing too, is like, they made a big stink of like the fact of like how amazing Caleb's social game is. He's going around and like having all these relationships. And like, I have to imagine like a lot of people are that we just don't see. I have to imagine a lot of people are going around and having one-on-ones. It's not to say maybe mm-hmm. Caleb was more successful in that than others. Mm-hmm. That much, I don't know. But like, I just feel like the show made a great effort to basically, I think that what I'm understanding the narrative to be was that like Caleb overplayed the social game. Um, but I also, I felt like there was a genuineness from him that was also accepted yeah. as genuine. I just think that like, but I think that, right that's what is seen as the threat, uh-huh. right? It's the charisma. But again, it's like, it's like the, aren't we wanting shields? Well, great question. Why didn't they keep Sifu as a shield? Totally. <laughs> I guess I'm just having a hard time, like, overall this season with, like, the overall strategy. Because to uh-huh. me, like, what I'm craving is, like, I need Dee and Julie to, like, gun for Austin yeah. and Drew. This like, is I what, need yeah. some cannibalism happening, and I'm not seeing it. This is what we have not gotten. We have not gotten anybody's long-term plan. Yes. And I, I think I really yes. missed that. It's, and it's not like it was, like, a huge part of Old School Survivor, um, but you usually had a pretty good sense of, like, where people were going. And I have no idea what any of these people want. Do... Julie and Dee and Austin and Drew want to go to the end as a four. Do they really want that? Do they do each of them see winning in that scenario? Where does Emily fit in that? Is she number five? Uh, does somebody want to maybe bring her in and kick Dee out now that Dee's threat level apparently is rising as people are talking? Um, like, I, I want to know that. Like, I know they're an alliance, but as we've seen, especially in the new era, these alliances don't mean end game alliance. Uh, so I would really love to get some perspective. Like Katura is a, sort of like has her world rocked here when she finds out that everybody on her old tribe knew all about Bruce's idol and left her out of it. And she sort of like retaliates in the vote. And I want to know from her perspective, both before and after, what was her plan? Um, because we knew that she didn't want Bruce around all that much. And now, you know, he's like, he's still around is she like gonna be like okay well we're gonna be able to work together like what is her plan is she gonna join up with the rebus does she think there's a place there for her um i'm just like totally in the dark about what people's long-term goals are here i also feel like even at this point too like between the three tribes and then the swap and then the merge but not the merge and then the separation this episode it's very hard for me to track who was with who at what point in the game who like yeah. I, I, that's about, I mean and that's you know that's yeah. common. I also sorry it's just a great take too on um, the podcast that I was listening to, which surprise surprise Rob has a podcast. Um, they were talking about Australian Survivor mm-hmm. and Rob is me like that because they were talking about Survivor UK and like how it's off to like sort of a rocky start. Mm-hmm. And then Rob was like, yeah, but Survivor Australia had like a rocky first season. I gotta just say like Survivor Australia season one is terrific. Like I loved it. 
I'm having trouble. What does he mean by that? Is but is he talking about the original Australian Survivor? Oh, that's talking about the you know what? Because that was maybe you're right. right. But the like it's a false whatever. I mean, I don't know what he's talking about, but it's kind of a false comparison because Survivor UK also had a first season in like 2000 that was Mm. rocky. So anyway, but that's that's an aside. We'll have to bring that up with Rob. Just kidding. And Ronnie was going to be on the pod. Yeah. Remember when he pulled out like three times at the last minute? Oh, I do have an update though about someone. Is it that guy that's friends with Carolyn? Reed? No, I don't. Well, I owe Reed a text. I have not followed up on that. Oh. No, I have an icon in the arsenal. Oh. Who's ready? You do? Yeah. An icon that I would think is iconic? Yeah. Is it a man? Yeah. That I would think is iconic. I think you think he is iconic. I don't know. I mean, he's not iconic. Rob Mariano. No, not that's like on another level. <laughs> See, should we? Should, you know what? We're yeah, well, we have yeah. something that we're not going to speak about, but well, something. Yeah. But but we should use the something that we're not uh-huh. speaking uh-huh. about to plant yeah. a seed. Yeah. Okay. But we'll say that we there will be something for our patreons. Very special. What that very special thing is, we do not know. But um, yeah, something <laughs> something know. LGBTQ plus is going to happen to Sean and I over the weekend, and we are going to try and share something some of the LGBTQ plus. Yeah, it is going to happen. Something LGBTQ plus happened to me last night. Oh yeah, should I say that for the Patreon? I think it's safe for the Patreon. I think it's safe for the Patreon. But anybody who is on uh, Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod will have seen uh, my lovely pictures with Sugar. Of which she has uploaded many. Um, <laughs> some I like, some I don't like. Uh, but I, gotta get photo approval. I will um, tell you more about that on the Patreon after show, which we are doing a weekly after show. And if you're not on our Patreon, you're missing half the story. But you would be among, I mean, you would be not with the hundreds and hundreds who are over on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Um, who are getting the hot gods. They're getting everything. Okay. Can we talk about Jake? Because Jake is emerging here as a star in this episode. I mean, I feel like I have to wonder if Jake would be as much of a star without the accent. That's interesting. Hmm. That's such an interesting question to posit, but it makes me think of like, there's so many people who are beloved because of their voice that you kind of wonder, you know, how what we would think about them if they didn't come. Like, for instance, our beloved Jennifer Coolidge. It's like the voice is uh-huh. like part of the package. The, the voice is like the package. 75, 80% of the package. So yeah, it's interesting. But to your point, I do think I do think that plays into a huge aspect of the show. And then also the connection because Survivor is so Boston coded because of yeah. Rob's rise in fame so early yeah. on in the show's run. That it also feels somehow throwbacky, as well as the fact that you just, on television in general, do not get a Boston accent mm-hmm. often. Um, maybe for good reason. Um, <laughs> but that is a good question. I have to say, when you ask the question, my immediate my reaction is like, yeah, I think it's a big part of big part of it. Because yeah. otherwise, it's like he's not that discernible from like past players that are like you know mid level in terms of totally. interestingness. Totally. But the accent adds adds. Who? Has who outside of reality TV has the most famous Boston accent? Oh, that's interesting. Like you don't really hear it. Um, that Chris often. Evans, what is known for his Boston accent? Ben Affleck, he has a Boston accent. I mean, I'm just—I guess I'm naming people that are like Boston. 
But like Boston, I think I think if you're a famous person, you would eradicate your Boston. Totally, accent. that's that's my problem because it's so endearing. But I can like hear Chris Evans in his Boston. Yeah, accent. you know what? I guess my big question is which one is Chris Evans? The how? The one who was Captain, Captain America. America. Yeah. He has a Boston accent. Yeah, he's like one of the. He's like he's extremely Boston. Boston. I was gonna say he's Boston coded, but he's more. He's not just Boston coded. He, he is Boston. He is Boston. He's Boston well, he's not Boston. <laughs> Boston is uh, what's his name? Son. Who? Boston pa- Panama. Oh my god. <laughs> what's yeah, his name? Shane. Shane. By the way, Shane posted like a picture of his son Boston recently, who's now like full fledged adult. Really? Yeah. And obviously, yeah, the passage of time—that's what happens. But I, I still was it. like, oh my god, because sometimes you know, just people mm. are burned in your brain as, especially when they land on television one time. And I was like, well, Boston exists and has you know grown up and should well, be on Survivor. It's just like it's, <laughs> it's just like how in Survivor Panama and the videos from home we saw a very young jared fields and just last night i saw a grown-up jared fields mm. oh how did we net out on jared after bb we don't like him no i think people came back around because he was really thoughtful in his post-game interviews about oh. sort of like owning the behavior and like truth be told i think if you look at the on the continuum of problematic behavior that has been displayed throughout big brother's 25 season run uh, Jared's is it is not up there with that's the, kind of what I thought I was like we've literally yeah yeah and I do think there's an element of racism at play in how I think people like fandoms of particularly of Big Brother are quicker to not they're holding him at a higher standard than yes. some of our past. yes yeah. yeah okay I see that okay well let's go back to Jake Boston Jake because he lays out this big plan he has got dreams and we are seeing a dream sequence of his dream uh, scenario, the way that tribal council is going to play out what he wants to do on his little team, his little temporary tribe that's going to tribal council is that he wants to force a tie between Julie and Caleb because he doesn't like that. uh, D is, you know, dictating this vote. He sees D as growing too strong and he wants to knock her down a peg by removing Julie. Uh, he realizes he's not going to be able to do that. And so he wants to still like undermine her plan by tying the vote between Julie and Caleb, which if they tie again on the re-vote, then they will have to uh, pull rocks. And he knows that Austin likely won't want to draw rocks and, you know, risk his game. And so he would attempt to persuade Austin to vote out Julie, uh, you know, so that he doesn't go home on a rock draw. And, to illustrate this, we don't just get it told to us, we get it shown to us. We have this like hazy drag race season one filter over the actual tribal council scenes that we are going to see at the end of the episode. We see them voting for both Caleb and Julie. And I was so thrown off in this moment because I didn't watch the show live. I was watching off some sort of like shady streaming site today. And I thought there was a mistake. I thought something happened. I was like, oh, the episode's broken. Like, I need I need to stop because I'm getting spoiled. I thought it was such a weird choice. What did you make of it? It's a little bit for me, like the come on in you guys, where it's like, I don't care as much as the fandom cares about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's like revelatory. However, um, 
I don't know. I'm, I, I, I didn't like it, <laughs> but I am appreciative on some level that like, yeah, it's like, I, I appreciate the tinkering with the format. I don't think this is necessarily the perfect fit um, in how we do it, but mm. like, I, I can get down with the, okay. the idea behind it. And I, I don't want the over overwhelming negative reaction to this to be like an indicator to the to the editors to like not do this. Right. I do want to point out though, I did post on um our Instagram because Jeff uh mm. was interviewed by uh, you guessed it, uh Entertainment Weekly. Talk, I thought we were gonna talk about this on the after show. Okay. You're right. <laughs> come back to the after show. To yeah, hear, come back to hear our I want to get a little tease. Okay, yeah, that, that's what that was. <laughs> but anyway, so so Yeah, I hear you though. Like I, I feel similarly in that like as I realized, although I found it confusing because we've never seen anything like that happen on Survivor, uh, I didn't mind the concept. The problem I have with it is that the plan as described and seeing it play out was far more interesting than what actually happened. And so we kind of got teased like this really like cool move is going to happen. Yeah. And then that it doesn't is kind of disappointing. Right. But the... the um counterpoint to that is like because there was nothing iconic going to happen why not create the possibility of something iconic to like you know what i mean to, yeah to make things more interesting but i disagree that something iconic didn't happen because i actually think the story of katura turning on caleb and jake is so fascinating and like this person who has been on the outs all this time you know uses the power of her vote to show like you have you have mistreated me and you're trying to bring me in at the last second because you need me so that you can pull off a plan so you look good at the final tribal council as like some strategic mm-hmm. mastermind. No, I'm not going to let you have that. I actually think that's such a great story. And yeah, we do need to know that this, that, you know, Jake thinks he's got this big plan going. Um, but there was so much emphasis on that that I feel like coming away from the episode, I felt at the beginning, before I like really worked through my thoughts on it, I thought, wow, great episode for Jake. It's a shame that thing didn't happen. But actually, like when I worked through it, it's like, wow, incredible episode for Keturah, who like really kicked ass and out strategized Jake in a way. Yes, but as you're saying all this, it's like, I think we've lowered our bar in terms of like iconography. If, if we're Oh, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that it's like iconic. No, wait, the word iconic was thrown around. Oh, that was a mistake. Okay. No, I do think that it could have been an iconic move. No, it could have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but just like I'm not going to give last week's uh, what the the uh, what's it called the what did Caleb use uh, the uh, <laughs> shot in the dark? Yeah, like I'm not giving that iconic status. What about this whole thing about Caleb's shot in the dark and the twelve votes versus the eleven votes? I needed to hear from Drew about that because he's like he's like nobody caught on that there was only eleven votes and not Austin is saying that Austin was saying nobody caught on that I extended my idol. Because everyone's talking about these 12 votes, but there was actually only 11. And he's like, I think if anybody got it, Drew got it, but we didn't hear from Drew about Yeah, I mean, that. they definitely got it. I mean, everyone counts. Everyone's very aware of like... No, but they're no. not. Mm. The, that's the point, is people kept talking about the 12 votes. So nobody noticed that there was a missing vote, which I get how that can happen. Interesting. I get how that can happen. It's yeah, like yeah. one after another, after another, after mm. another. Like, how many people are like really racking that up? And then this, and then this like big explosion happens, and I think they forgot about it, but... Surely somebody noticed. I'm sure somebody noticed, but uh, we did get the 12 votes mentioned several times in this episode where there was not 12 votes. I thought that was interesting. Okay. 
Do we have to say anything else about the Keturah? No, we don't. Let's talk about the blue team a little bit. I don't know really that there's a whole lot to talk about, except that Sifu, I think, made a big mistake here because he had all of this uh, work put into a fake idol that we saw. He showed us the fake idol several episodes ago. He's talking about how he feels like he's at risk. Why didn't he make a play with his fake idol? Well, this seemed kind of like, sorry, I'm like really into using hyphen coded lately, but this seemed a little quick coded to me. Um, I know we're not calling it a quit, but like, it seemed like you, it seemed like you rolled over. Yeah. It was sort of like, Oh, I'm going home. So I kind of felt the same way. It didn't seem, I don't know if I'd go so far as quit, but it seemed like he rolled over. Yeah. Which is confusing to me. And it seems like, I don't know. There was just like all this buildup. And I know it's Survivor. They do this all the time. But there was so much buildup to like Kendra Kelly. Will they? Won't they? Yeah. They're going to turn on Bruce. Is Bruce going to play his idol? Is Bruce going to like kick out Kendra? And it just for all of that to come to nothing and a unanimous vote for Sifu was, I thought, a little disappointing. But like at least that got out of the way before, you know, they were lucky and that that tribe went first. I'm just curious like what casting saw in Sifu. I don't think Sifu was like, like flop city, but I just, I'm not, I'm, I would like to understand what it was. Oh, casting I can songs. see like, what they saw. I can. I can see what they saw. I think they saw, and like, I, I don't mind that they went this direction. You saw like Kochi. Kochi. Yeah. Kochi or Philip Shepardy, right? Like a little delusional. Uh, and I can see. But I see feel like they, in order to cast that, you have to be cognizant of like who you're casting around that. And I just don't think yeah. they gave him anyone to like, go toe-to-toe with. Like, Coach needs a Courtney. Coach needs a Courtney. Yeah, I'm thinking Heroes vs. Villains. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't have a Courtney in, in season one. Oh, yeah. Or season whatever, yeah, his yeah. first season. No, 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 I know. But I'm just saying, like... Um, but, he had other, but he had other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, um, you're right. I I feel like there's just, like, the it's like the age dynamic, the, or the lack of dynamism around ages is the problem here yeah. because like when you had coach you had like i don't know you had like the young sierra right wanted nothing to do with that um but you also had his like bizarre little ragtag group of people that wanted to work with him and so i don't know maybe part of it is also just these small tribes like there wasn't there was only so much conflict you could have in small tribes 26 days i mean like yeah no age diversity age diversity well we figured it out yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're broken (laughs) uh okay anything else to say about this episode no i would say that like i'm hopeful that i think we hit a rough patch these in my opinion these last two weeks i know other people are more positive on last week's but i'm hopeful that like we can come out of this i just think that like we need players like Drew and Austin and Julie to like wake up. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's on them or the edit, but like we just need a little bit more. We need more dynamics because right now everything just seems a little banal. Yeah, I will say that I'm looking forward to next week because it will be the first time that we're going to get an actual merge episode this season where the entire an tribe actual. will be voting together uh-huh. and there's no silly twists, hopefully. Uh, that are yeah, breaking people up or like half the people are immune etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so i am looking forward to that i think there's a lot of potential plus we're getting the option back 
after a very, very, very long time. Yeah, but I worry that like, well, just, of course, I no, 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 but I'm saying like, but just like this week, it's like, because we, because the show has sort of uh, put it on this pedestal and the fans are so excited, it's like, it's sort of, it's set up for failure. Uh, okay. I'm going to be a little more optimistic about it. I'd rather, but I think it's good to be pessimistic. You want to lower your expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I hear so, you. I hear you. But yeah. that's, you know, yin yang. I hear you. Okay. Oh, just like the Heroes vs. Villains March Tribe. Okay. <laughs> All right, with that, we might not be posting a meme cap, but we'll be posting something for this episode. And what should people comment on that post? Is there something poll related? There's a barber pole. A barber pole? Yeah, it kind of looks like the pole. What, show me that, please. Oh, like the barber. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Barber pole? I've never heard it called it. So for people that don't know that term, it's like the thing outside of the barber. It's literally called a barber. Okay, but like when you say barber pole, I thought that was like, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Like barber shop. (laughs) Yeah, like a barber shop pole. Yeah. All right. We will be back over on Patreon for more on this episode in our after show. So again, go check out our Patreon if you want to hear a deeper dive on this episode. And... Make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Drop Buffs Pod. And if you liked this, rate and review it on Apple or uh, Spotify, wherever you can do that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.